0: I'm your host, Rena Friedman-Watts, and
1: this is the Better Call Daddy Show. Hey, this is Big Daddy, Wayne Friedman.
0: That's my grandpa. Grandpa, you ready for more daddy drama? My dad is my number one hero and number one fan.
1: And I'm a pretty cool dude.
0: All right, season four, baby, here we go. More stories you're not going to believe.
1: And maybe you will after you listen. Five stars. Five and a half stars, two thumbs up.
0: You are a pretty cool dude. I love you, mommy.
1: Don't stand on the table and damn the public. You'll get some words of wisdom to live by.
0: Here we go again. Better call daddy. You know
1: what your problem is? You like
0: me. Yeah, I do. Each week, I interview a guest, share the stories with my dad, and then he weighs in at the end of every episode with his wisdom and wit. Hey, Grandpa. Everyone from influential players to inspirational fathers,
1: and of course, controversial people.
2: Grandpa, my mom is calling.
1: Creating that legacy one call at a time. And welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Stay tuned. Where's the music? Better Call Daddy, cause he knows your band.
0: Today's he sees possibilities.
1: Possibilities. Mm-hmm. Call
0: daddy. by side guest did the absolute Unimaginable. She forgave her father's murderer. And you know what else she did? She defined what the gift of life really means. It's fragile, it's special, and you can lose life at any time. Rosie Rose, welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show.
2: Hi. Hi, Rose. How are you? I'm good. Rena, right? Yes.
0: Ooh, you're good. <laughs> Okay, Whew. so I just go ahead and hit record and we're just going to get to know each other. I usually stalk people a lot more than I had time to stalk you, but we connected through Evan Carmichael. Yes. Tell me about your love for Evan.
2: I discovered Evan, I think a couple years before the pandemic and I just liked his style. And then I found out that he had movement makers. So I was like... I got to give it a try. Like I knew I wanted to do something with my life, but I just didn't have direction or guidance or anything like that. So when I went to movement makers, it was just like, bam, like go live, do a hundred video, like a hundred video challenge started off from there. <laughs> have you done a hundred videos? I think from now, yes, I have. I think I have. No way. I, think I stopped counting. I think at 50, I'm sure it's been over a hundred videos now. Talk to me about that journey
0: and how you've changed different versions of yourself
2: oh yeah okay so I knew that I wanted to get better at public speaking and sharing my story but it was like how I didn't have the confidence I didn't have the, the support system I think movement makers gave me the chance to to show up and share my story so that's when I met IG, li- IG, IG live, live with Angela, Angela.
0: shout out to yes. her I love her too <laughs>
2: Yeah, so she was the first person I ever went live with. So actually it was Evan Carmichael, I'm sorry. Evan Carmichael, then Angela. After that, my life changed. I could change as in practicing my public speaking skills.
0: I think you're amazing at it now. Do you really believe that it takes about 50 to get comfortable? Oh, probably more than that. I'm still learning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same. And I'm more than 300 in.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I seen you on IG live with Angela and you are amazing speaker.
0: Oh, thank you. Actually, I wanted to get better at public speaking too. And that's why I started. And I really think if you want to get better at it, you have to find a safe space where you yeah. feel supported, you feel encouraged, and you have rapport with the person so that you feel non-judged. Yes, yes. And Angela provides that really well. She's actually one of the only people I go live with, but I do want to start potentially doing lives more with people who have been on my podcast so that we can keep the conversation
2: going. Yeah. Gosh, Angela gives this, like you say, a safe space and i think that's what people need to be able to share and to heal is a safe place a safe community i think that right there helps okay
0: so let's talk a little bit about what you've healed from because you are on the better call daddy show and you have a daddy story that i have never heard before
2: yeah okay so my journey started when my healing journey started when my father-in-law gift me this book called Healing the Inner Child by Tich Not Han. And when he gave me this book, I was like, my childhood was fine. Like I was fine, like nothing, nothing was wrong, you know? And then it took me like probably like a month or two until I actually picked that book up. So when I picked this book up, I realized that, oh shit, I didn't know I had trauma. <laughs> I didn't know that losing my dad at seven years old Affected my life growing up. I thought I had a a normal childhood. You know, my father died. Yeah, it was, you know, it, it is what it is. And then just growing up, like nothing was wrong. You know, it was fine. But after reading the book and diving into it, it was realizing that I never healed from losing my father at seven years old. When I was seven years old, my father had a video store in the Bay Area in California here, and he had a video shop back in the days when you had to go like blockbusters to get the cassette tapes, videotapes, but he had like a Cambodian one, which had like Thai movies and Chinese movies. And he was at work one day and a group of young Asian gang came and rob, or they tried to rob my father. And when they, when the shooter and his friends came in, my dad made a sudden movement behind the counter and he thought my dad had a gun. And so he shot my father and that was seven years old that weekend he was supposed to come home because he told me that he would teach me how to ride a bike. At seven years old, that, that's all I wanted. So that day never came. That day never came. And did I understand what was going on? I don't think I fully like understand what what really went on besides that my father was shot and he was killed. A group of Asian gang came in and that was it. So growing up, I remember grieving, going to my parents' room and crying on my dad's pillow, like, like smelling his pillow, like the scent of his, of his smell, like that day, like that scent. I could still remember his scent. Oh my God. I didn't know how to, I. Nobody taught me how to grieve or anything like that. Like I see my mom crying. People were supporting my mom. I'm I'm sure they came to support me too, but they didn't know how besides just giving that, that love. So how I grieved when I was younger was I went in my parents' room, cried on his pillow. And I remember walking out of that room, wiping my tears away and coming out and seeing my mom grieve. So during that time, it was just, I had to go. I felt like now that I'm thinking about it, there was a supportive community there. But for a seven-year-old, it was just me and my, da- and my, my dad's pillow and crying. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up after that, I didn't know that that was trauma that I had. I just discovered that that was trauma like a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Until so wow. that one the therapist lady was like, Rose, what you've been through was trauma. I was like, really? It felt fine. You know, it it was
0: so different for you versus your mom because you were at different places in your life.
2: Yeah. So until a couple of years ago, I think 2016, when I was driving my kids to school one day, I dropped them off and I was going driving to the gym and it was the time of self-discovery. It's like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, why do I feel so different? And that's when that voice came in, was like, forgive that man that killed your father. I'm like, what? That? Like, no way. No. Like I never thought about this man ever. You know, like it was just, it was behind. When that thought came to me, my heart started beating. It was like it lit like a fire in my soul. Like, boom, boom, boom. boom. Like, what the heck? Like it was, it was what I had been asking for, but I didn't know it was that. You know, like what do I what am I gonna do with my life? Like, why am I here? And that is when the journey started. When I start to look him up on reading about my dad's story, like going on the internet, like kind of surfing and researching, and I realized that he was in this book called Dream Shattered. I'm like staring at it right now. Whoa. Yeah. So how this counselor guy went to go and went to go to the CYA. And was talking to all the, like, the gang kids, like Southeast Asian gang kids and what are their stories and how they became like where they are now, how they get to where they are now. So I was able to research about his like about his story about my father's death, like, you know, him robbing my dad in this book, like. I had no idea. That seems from above. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting to read about the Asian gang and how it developed and why they turned to, you know, come together. And it gave me a little background about it. Reading that, I looked online and seen like an article that his niece wrote about him. And I was just like, whoa, there's more information about him than I thought. So I wrote him a letter. And told him that, you know, I talked about this with my mom that we both like my mom forgave them the day when she seen him at court. She was so pissed and mad. And then when I went to court too, but I don't remember the details, but she remember telling me that when she went to court and seen him for the first time, she was like, wow, he's just a kid. And after that, she, I think that was the day when my mom, that's when her forgiveness for him came, I believe because growing up, There was no hate towards this man or the the group of guys. There was no hate because the shooters, the shooter, there's only one, is the same nationality as us, Cambodian. Wow. So we kind of know what our history, you know, how we, how our parents came from the killing fields in Cambodia and escaped from the killing fields. And he seen his, I think it was his sister that got murdered there in the killing field. So there was a lot of trauma from Back in the 1970s, where Pol Pot invaded Cambodia, not invaded Cambodia, but the Khmer Rouge took over Cambodia, the communists. And they were all like slaves. I remember my mom, she lost two kids in Cambodia due to starvation.
0: Your mom Um, did? Yeah. Oh, my
2: gosh. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of people, I think over, they say, 3 million people got killed during that time, the genocide. So it was very lucky that my parents escaped that. And also his mom and him escaped, but his dad and sister died there. Oh, my God. So when you come to America, it's like brand new, like in the 80s, like we're refugees. My parents were refugees. So it was like a a new start for them. You know, some parents had PTSD. Yeah. PSTD. Yeah. And some people were able to heal from that, to overcome that. I can't believe you and your dad
0: both lost a parent young.
2: Yeah. Did you think about that at all? Yes. So for me to... Be able to read about him and understand his past brought me to more of a compassion like, oh, you know, this was his backstory instead of getting mad at him for like, you know, the anger and the hurt, which I did carry a lot of anger with me that I did not realize. I wrote him a letter and it took the prison, I think, a month and a half before they gave him the letter. Because I'm sure they probably kept it and read it. And was like, you make sure, like, should we give this to him or not? Yeah. And I didn't use my address because I was kind of afraid because I didn't know what kind of guy he was. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then he wrote back and my sister-in-law called me. I used my sister-in-law's address. And she's like, hey, he wrote. I'm like, (gasps) I just like broke down and cried. Like I gave him a chance to apologize to my family. He wanted to apologize to my family for so long, but he just didn't know how. When I wrote him the letter, he was pacing back, back and forth in his prison cell. I think he said that it took him like a couple of days before he opened the letter to read it because the nerves that he got, like, I'm the daughter of the man you killed. Like, oh. wow. Is that <laughs> yeah. how you started the letter? Uh, something like that. Like, you know, hi, I call him Bob. This is me own is my Cambodian name. I'm the daughter of the man you killed or uh, along the line to something like that.
0: Yeah. Wow. That would make anyone, I feel like, pace.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. What a brave thing you did. Do you still remember any of what else that you wrote? I
2: have a collection of his letters. So we end up having a building, like a, a friendship, like a spiritual friendship, him learning about, you know, him apologizing to my family and just learning about more about him. And, and like, why did you do it? You know, like, why did you do it? And it comes from, you know, learning about like trauma and being accepted and not belonging and being in a gang, he felt he belonged, you know, a lot of regrets he had. But for me it was being able to do my work on myself first to forgive myself first, because I wasn't able to forgive him until I was able to forgive myself first. So doing the work of forgiving me and then that merged into I was able to forgive him and help him forgive himself.
0: What did you need to forgive yourself for?
2: I need to forgive myself for just for like life in general of what i done in the past. I had to get my relationship straight with friends, family, my relationship with myself and my partner. The day where I was like, okay, I'm going to change. I'm, I'm done with the life that I was living. Like I was not happy. I was in this cycle of this repeated pattern. I was unfulfilled. How old were you when you figured that out? Like 35. (laughs) I was a late bloomer. So
0: (laughs) yeah, I I have felt that in my life. I think I was a little bit younger, but around 25, 26. Yeah, Yeah,
2: I was late to the game, but I guess it's not late. It was a perfect timing for me. It is interesting though, when you realize that it's a point of change. Yeah. And that's when I made the decision to, I'm going to repair and forgive myself and apologize to people who I hurt it. And that was a journey of just like going off the checklist. I was like, wrote emails, hey, I'm, you know, haven't talked to you in a long time, but blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And it just felt so good to like, I'm starting off with a clean slate here. Did they accept my apologies or not? I don't know. But it was just like apologizing to my ex who cheated on me and stuff like that. Like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, I forgive you and this and that. It was just like, no more. I want a clean slate, I think. And that's where I was able to build off of that and learn and grow from. That's momentum. Yes.
0: (laughs) Start with a couple easy ones first. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's not easy being cheated on and like apologizing to that guy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it 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 took some time. Yeah. I remember writing to him and saying, or emailing or something like, what you did was the best thing that ever happened to me. Ooh,
0: I love that.
2: It was because it broke my heart, but it broke me to finding who I was. I left her. I was able to connect with myself again.
0: Ooh, I got the chills from that. That is so good. It's true. Yeah. Like I was the person that he did that to, and I don't want to be that person. Yeah.
2: It was a gift because it was a gift. Like thinking about it now is like he did what I needed to move on and grow from. Isn't that something to realize that?
0: You're like, I'm not that person anymore.
2: Yeah, he set me free.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. How did he respond to that?
2: I don't remember, probably not much. (laughs) Like, what do you, (laughs) I I felt like I was like the the one that owned up, like, hey, even though you didn't admit it, I, I know, but you know, it was just like, it felt so freeing. I do not regret the heartbreak at all. Like I needed that. My soul needed that. It needed to break open so I can feel again. And what that broke open for me, because that was such a big heartbreak, but I didn't know that that heartbreak was actually my heartbreak from my father's death that I did not grieve from. It was a layer of me opening my heart up to something bigger that I had no idea what was in store for me.
0: That's interesting that you connected those two things.
2: Yeah. I mean, it didn't connect it right away, but you know, as life happens, like, oh, that's why that happened. You know, like everything is always working out for us if we can see it. Sometimes we don't want to see it, but it's it's always working out for us. Like, why did this happen? My father left me a gift and it was for me to uncover and unwrap it. Ooh, what else have you unwrapped? That's a great question. Forgiveness is one. And what I unwrapped was anger, the anger. Because what I unwrapped was the anger because deep down in me and what I had going on was this anger that I didn't realize that I had. So there's this quote from Gabor Mate. It says, uh, trauma is not what happened to you. It's what happens inside of you. As a result of what happened to you, that's really good. If we don't heal the childhood trauma, it shows up in our romantic relationship. Mm. So, like anger, anger, it kept coming up in my romantic relationship. Like I had anger issues, so I was like a ticking time bog like easily triggered, and I hurted people unconsciously. You know, I didn't mean to to do it, but this the anger. I haven't done my inner work on myself, so. I never thought about like, where did this anger come from? Until I did a somatic breath work. Doing the somatic breath work, I think it was like my second or third session. I discovered where the anger came from. And in this breath work, I was able, I had the opportunity to feel my anger. I didn't know where the anger was coming from, but I was so like rage. I was so angry. And during this breath work, I was like pounding. I was screaming. I was like, I never screamed so loud and so deep. Deep in my life before. That's powerful. Yeah. It was just like something just came over me. I was just releasing all this anger, all this suppression of years and years of what people done to me, of just like what I'd done to myself. And to realize that I was deeply saddened, I was real. I realized that I was actually grieving my father's death, something that I didn't get to do when I was younger. So I was able to let this anger that i had growing up i hadn't I had no idea that i suppressed this so deep the rage you know the, the sadness and through this breath work i was able to release it it just like flowed to me instead of you know because you have to feel it to heal it Ooh, yes and i was able to feel those emotions without any judgment just accepting it this is where i'm at i feel that anger i'm gonna release it you know in a safe healthy way that's beautiful and from that anger, it was deep sadness to deep sadness. It was like oh, I was that little girl that just was grieving throughout my whole life. After that session, I felt like another layer of onion that just peeled off. I was so much lighter. Oh, that's amazing! It transformed my life. So meditation and breath work were the t- tools that helped me heal, like the inner child, and help me release. Those suppressed emotions that I kept tucked aside. That's awesome. Who did you do that with? I did it with Aaron Daltry. I did his 21 Day Abundance class, and he had a breathwork, a few breathwork practitioner do breathwork with us. And, Amazing. And after that session, I knew that's what I had to do. This is what my calling was. And so I, after he told me, like, Steven Jagger was his teacher. I looked him up. I was like, bam, I joined and went to school, got his uh, breathwork certification. That's cool. That's amazing. I'm also
0: curious, did you think about experiences from growing up where you wanted your dad around?
2: Yeah, there, there were times I remember, you know, at nighttime, like, oh, I wish you were here, like kind of like crying to myself at night. It's mostly during like hard times growing up is when I, I wanted my dad.
0: And did people ever ask you like growing up about him? Or do you think people were afraid to ask? Like, did anybody ask about your grief?
2: No, I don't think so. I just remember that growing up, like all my friends, they just knew like, oh, her dad was shot and killed. And that was it. It was just we kind of just left it alone. Like we don't, you know, we didn't go into details or talked about it or anything.
0: I wonder if that would have helped at all. Like, do you kind of wish maybe like somebody would have asked you?
2: No, I, I guess, you know, in life, it played out this way. Yeah. So it was just like the del- the cards that I, I I dealt with. So, But I think I wasn't ready for it during that time. I don't think and- I can ever be ready for that.
0: I actually have a friend today that messaged me. It's really crazy. And she just lost her dad unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And she asked me, how do you look at pictures
2: without crying? How do you look at pictures without crying? Yeah. I don't know. The crying and the crying is it's a grief to me. When I hear grief and crying, it's just like The love the unexpressed love that we didn't give Mm. or just it's just a love we're we're gonna cry (laughs) we're gonna cry i think in life is just like that's what life is is all those emotions like death is guaranteed and that's why i look at death now as an opportunity to to love your friends your family your whoever is close to you because we don't know when the next day we don't know when it will be our last time just like If we grow up and thinking, when was the last time we had a sleepover as a kid, you know, like when do we have a sleepover? If we knew that, you know, it would be in high school, like this will be my last sleepover, how would we treat that sleepover? If we knew that was our last time. Ooh, I love that. That's
0: such a great question and such a good memory because now when we think about it, I haven't had a
2: slept over in years. It makes (laughs) me want to like
0: crawl into bed with my daughter. I was also thinking because I heard somebody recently give a speech at their father's funeral. I I feel like we should make those speeches before someone dies. Like, who do you want to give that speech to now? Who do you want to write that speech with? My grandmother's 94 Two years ago before she got like Alzheimer's and dementia, I recorded what she could record. And I'm so glad I did that. And now I'm just like, I want to tell her how much I love her now. And sometimes sometimes that can be really hard to do. Yeah. Why do you think is hard for you to do? Because then I don't want her to think that it could be our last time together. Mm. Although every time I see her, I feel that way. Mm. Every time I see her now is I'm just like, like you said, is this our last slumber party? is this the last time I get to hold her hand? Is this the last time I get to help her walk to the bathroom? Is this the last time I get to feel her skin?
2: And and do you document the journey with your grandma right now
0: or anything like that? I do. I've been taking my kids there their whole life, but you know, there's not a lot she can do. You know, she can barely go watch them in the pool now. And, you know, I have young children, so it's, it's hard to visit. Like they want to go have fun on vacation and I just want to hold her hand. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a balance. <laughs> it's yeah. balance. Yeah. I have really been thinking about, God, there's death. Like you said, it's, it's all around us and there's so much of it in the news. I mean, my goodness. It's yes. Something to think about. Like how can you write these meaningful letters to people? Even if you just do it for one person. Yeah right? Like, so that they really know what they meant to you. Yeah, that's beautiful.
2: And imagine how they will feel like of all the words that you wrote, you know, imagine you write a letter to your grandma, and you're reading it to her. How would that make her feel? I don't know about dementia. But it's, you know, like, how how is that received? I can tell you, she is the only
0: person who has ever said to me, I love you more than anyone in this world.
2: And I will miss that. That's so powerful. That's very powerful. And those words like you will take with you, it is imprinted on your heart. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Letting people know. I mean, it doesn't have to be
0: paragraphs long. It literally can be like a line. That's why like when you're talking about these like transformative letters that you wrote, I mean, my goodness. Yeah. It can be so simple. I love what you said to the guy who cheated on you. My God, that is balls right there. (laughs) But look how freeing that was. And yes, that also probably will change who you attract.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes, for sure.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's amazing. Like, I mean, I took a very reflective year and a half off after I was with someone that I couldn't believe I was with. Yeah. And got super clear on why I was with that person and how I ended up with that person and didn't date anyone and didn't have any sex and, you know, did a whole lot of yoga and found a job that I loved. And then you attract someone way better.
2: (laughs) Yes, you do. You do.
0: Cause you're like a whole new person afterwards. (laughs) Right. But how often do we do that? I mean that's deep work.
2: Yes, it is. It's either you repeat the same cycle again and end up with the, the same reflection but with a different face. It's like that cycle is like and also what you carry into the relationship. If you don't heal the heartbreak and cheating and you go into the next relationship, you're gonna have that backbone and the stories from back then be like, oh, is he cheating on me? you get the insecure feelings and it's learning to like leave the past back there. But how do you leave the past? You have to feel those emotions that you've been through in through the body and out. If you don't release those emotions, it stays with you to the present day. And the same lessons of in the past comes up again, over and over again, until you recognize it and you acknowledge it and you feel it and you heal it. It's hard to move on and let go when you have those suppressed emotions of the past. So the reason why I'm telling you all this is because you have to feel it to heal it. And the feeling part is it's tough. Nobody wants to feel the the ugliness of guilt and shame and anger like, oh, it don't feel good, but it shows up all the time. And that's when people turn the TV on or scroll on on social media is because that feeling is uncomfortable and they try to disregard it by doing something else. Oh, that is so accurate. Did and you
0: find yourself doing that.
2: Yeah, unconsciously. I didn't know. I just yeah. didn't know like, oh, this feeling it's like, oh, it's just, you know, it hits your heart. Like it just feels like so heavy and it feels uncomfortable. And it's just like, like you don't feel good. And that's why now I noticed that I see more men having heart attacks or heart problems because they have a lot of suppressed emotions that they're not able to express versus like us females. We have girlfriends and stuff. Be like, we we're able to like express what's going on in our life and talk about it and feel it and cry. You know, we do that a lot, but men, no, you got to be the tough guy. Like, you know, like I can handle this. Like I'm strong, but really it's like, they have so much suppressed emotions. And with the heart attack is so much unexpressed. Imagine if they're able, cause they're just human, just like us. They have feelings. They have, you know, there's, they carry a lot of guilt and shame how can a guy go to his buddy but there's now communities where guys they do do that but how about you know back then like can they just call up another guy be like hey bro man my heart is just like i don't know i'm feeling a little like like sad like do they do that never (laughs) no but us girls we do that women we we do need it yeah yeah so you see a lot of lower rates in like suicide is higher in men than women and it's like now like i'm learning about like our emotions and the ability to feel—it's like there's so I look around and like my brothers, you know, other men out there. Like, what is going on with with them? Have we ever asked them like, "Hey, how is your heart, man? how How are you feeling? Like, really? Like, how are you really feeling?" Just to be able just to ask that question, it gives them the ability to just reflect. Like, yeah, how am I doing? How is my heart? That's cool. That
0: you've sparked that. I also have one more question. Do you think that it bothered you more that the person who did that to your dad was from the
2: same community? No, it didn't bother me at all. Just because where i grew up there was like the you know back in the 90s the like the, the asian gangs and there's a lot of gangs so i grew up with people that were gang members in my neighborhood so actually i think that was a gift actually so you feel like you understood him
0: more yes and so you were more compassionate because you understood yes wow
2: and that the compassionate part really helped me give him space to to learn about him his past how all that came to be to him making that decision of pulling that trigger. And he's a changed man. You know, he's been incarcerated for, I think, 26, 27 years. So he he was in there when he was 18. Oh my God, he was
0: really young.
2: Yeah. So I think he's like 50 now. So imagine that, like us when we're 18 And now that we're this age, we're not the same person anymore. He'll never probably get married or have kids. Yeah. What has she shared with you? What has he shared with me? about his life. Yeah. So I read <laughs> about his life, little snippets of it from the book. So I knew more about his past than he didn't, you know, didn't know about, you know, he shared about like his, his mom, cause he's out of prison right now. I went to his parole hearing. I wrote a letter, a letter to the governor. And I think, you know, I helped a little bit to get him out of prison. But, you know, what's so sad was that after he got out of prison a year, like, I think, I think about like six or seven months after he got out, he was going to go visit his mom with his parole officer. And when he went to go do that, because he didn't see his mom, like, I think two or three years prior, when he got to where his mom was staying at, the man that came out was like, your mom died a year ago. And I was like, oh. You know, he, he wanted to be a change man for his mom too, to be there for his mom. He put his mom through a lot of trouble and then to find out that she passed away a year ago and he had no idea. Nobody told him about it or wrote him, you know, didn't write him a letter while he was in prison or anything like that. I was like, wow. That's tough.
0: Yeah. He might need some of your breathing sessions. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's out now, you know, it's it's a little tough for him to find a job with a felony. I think uh, his, his background with his background, but we still keep in contact right now. He's still because when you get out, you kind of have to go in like a halfway house where you're he's been in there 26, 27 years. So it's completely changed from the early 90s to now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like just getting him back, transitioning him into like the real this world, which is completely different. Wow. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping, you know, he's still working on himself and trying to figure out like, you know, his career path and, and, and stuff like that. So actually talking to you now, I think I'm going to reach out to him and give him a text today because
0: it's been a while. Hey, send him this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better call your daddy. Yeah. I I think my dad's going to be thrown for a loop on this one. First of all, I don't think I've ever cried on an episode. Like your story really touched me. So thank you. That was amazing.
2: (laughs) Wow. Thank you.
0: Have you gotten on stages or is that a goal no. of yours?
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. I haven't gotten on stage yet, but I am, you know, doing this podcast here is helping me get better at speaking and sharing my story. You're so, amazing at it. Yeah, thank you for giving me this opportunity too, because this is helping me.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad we did this. Wow. Are
2: you going to write a book? Yeah, I know there's many people that ask me that, but I haven't really like this, like set like, yeah, I'm going to write a book maybe in the future, but right now I haven't committed to that yet.
0: I mean, seriously, you could just start by transcribing
2: this and <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. It's, it is transformative, you know, the little things that every day in our life, forgiveness forgiving yourself every day, like forgive yourself every day, because it's heavy. We don't want to carry all this pain, resentment and guilt from the past with us into the future. But it's asking yourself, can you put it down? Do you want to put it down? Yes. How do we put it down? Feel the feelings. (laughs) You have to feel it to heal it. You have to give yourself space, breath work, meditation. Everybody Mm. has different tools, but it's able to are you able to have a safe place? Maybe some people need guidance. Maybe some people do it on their own through meditation. Do you have but
0: any guidance? When any I first teachers? started,
2: yeah. Tich Nhat Han, the Buddhist monk, I read his book and I just started doing meditation. And it took me months before I was able to kind of release what I held on to. Journaling, writing it on paper, kind of expressing my emotions and stuff, writing on paper and then ripping it up and burning it, you know, or you, breath work. Which was quicker for me to tap into my body because healing or forgiveness, it doesn't happen in the mind. It happens in the body because the body keeps score. The body knows how can we give it space to heal, to get out of the mind and into the body. And through breath work was able, I was able to tap into that. And the way that we breathe brings up what needs to be seen. And it's right there where you're, can you accept whatever emotion is coming up for you right now? Can you accept it and can you not judge it and just have a space for it to feel, like to truly feel how does that sadness or anger or grief, maybe it's laughter. Maybe you just need to laugh it out. There's no wrong or right way, but your body wants to express it out. It wants to leave in and through the body, feel it and just like, mm, and then let it go. That's and that's really how, good. how, to, how to let go for me, how I learned to let go, feel it, to heal it in through the body out. That's really beautiful.
0: Is there anything that you'd like to ask my dad?
2: Oh man, you know, growing up without a father, I have, I never thought about asking dads any questions besides like, sometimes I wonder how, you know, like I never had a father's love, just that little bit of my seven years, which was, I felt so loved by him, but that was life gave me was seven years with him. So I never really knew a father's love because that's a great question. You know, you're making me reflect too. Like, damn (laughs) if my dad was here what would I ask him like how how does your dad give love to you guys how does he show love to you I would ask your dad that now at you know 40 years old I I don't know how it feels to have a father at 70 years old I I don't have that and it's okay I'm okay with it but I like to observe by like how does your dad give you love how does he show you love because everybody shows love differently
0: I would say he's my biggest support system. He's my biggest encourager. He's the one that has always encouraged me that I could do anything that I wanted to do. Do you get that from someone else? My mom? (laughs) Well, that's wonderful that she's able to do that. Yeah. That's great. I'm glad that she is able to, because not all moms can. Yeah. That's wonderful. I feel like kind of the theme of the show too is like, you know, it doesn't have to be your dad. It can be self-love. It can be mom. love. It can be friend love. It can be book love, but you definitely need a support system and you definitely need to find encouragement because that's what we all really need. Yeah.
2: I guess it's, you know, our parents are are like our backbone. I guess as my mom is like my backbone, like I know she's there. (laughs) That's wonderful. That's
0: great. Well, I have absolutely loved this. I like want to do a breath session together sometime. That would be yes. Really
2: cool. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Let's schedule one in. Let's do it. Yeah. I am so glad that we connected
0: and that we got to reflect. This was super powerful for me. I love that. I felt everything that you said because it brought tears to my eyes. So thank you and let people know how they can connect with you and find you and all of the good stuff.
2: Yeah. You can find me on Instagram. I'm more active there. My name is the underscore Rosie underscore Rosie underscore the Rosie Rose. So that's me. I do somatic breath work, virtual and in person. So if you have a calling to you want to try a, a different healing modality and want to give breath work a try, I'm, I'm here. I got you.
0: <laughs> you know, it's so amazing to My grandmother that I talked about her name is Rose. No. <laughs> so I have a very fond wow. Yeah, I have a fondness wow. for that name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's so special. Yeah. My dad's mom is Rose. Wow. And his dad used to call her Rosita.
2: <laughs> Rosita. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I didn't get to meet your dad, but I want you to give him a hug for me. Aww. To hug like a daddy figure. When you hug him next time, like bring that love from me to him like I don't know. Thank you. That's that so feeling sweet. Of just like, you know, just daddy's girl. I see it from my husband and my daughter. So it's like, I get to like relive it, like to see their relationship together. So
0: that's wonderful. I am so glad that you get to experience that. That's really special and really beautiful. Yeah, my dad is going to absolutely love you. And he will respond to your question when you get to find out it Yeah,
2: yeah <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, Rosie. Thank okay. you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Thank bye. you.
0: You've heard from my mom. Now, let's switch it over to grandpa.
1: Hey, we got another
0: Rosie on the show.
1: You know, I, I have to give Rosie a lot of credit. She has risen to a level of forgiveness, as she would say. Or of remember that little saying I told you that God gave me a message that you have to learn how to get along with people that might have done harm to you or don't agree with you, that you have to find a road or a pathway even with people like that. What's interesting, is that she put herself in the position of the person that actually killed her father, that it's just a young kid. And she was, of course, only seven years old. So you're talking about her mom was able to come to a similar conclusion a long, long time ago that, and it's somebody also that is a refugees that have come from, what a unbelievable coincidence that they're Cambodian and somebody from Cambodia actually was trying to maybe hold up the store and they panicked. They thought that they might actually get shot also and shot him. Let's face it, you have a grandfather, Harry Wishnia, that told them to get the hell out of his store, refused to give him the money, didn't want to be robbed, told these kids to get out of that store and would not give him the money. And they shot him. They shot him in the head. He, he had to recover and live with that the rest of his life. And I don't know how much money was in that cash register. Let's say it was 300 or $400. Give him the damn money and not jeopardize your life. But his principle outweighed even the possibility of of getting shot and dying where he wasn't going to give it up. And And he
0: was paralyzed the rest of his life. And he
1: was paralyzed the rest of his life. These things do happen. But what I got out of it is that things can happen in life where life can be very fragile short-lived and even those that we look up to that can live maybe a hundred years or so and the big picture it's just a drop in the bucket and it's something that we have to accept that life can end at any time an illness a war a death an accident a tree falling on you from a storm getting swept away in a hurricane because you're uh, laying on the beach, enjoying your honeymoon. Okay. (laughs) I saw a person go to Hawaii and looking over at those big waves and he got a little too close to the edge. And one of the waves sucked him right in where he had to be rescued. Okay. So you're talking about anything is possible because even though we would like to think that we are beings that are not, not vulnerable, but we are, we're very fragile species. And we can easily be hurt, destroyed physically or mentally by occurrence of events that are beyond our imagination at the time. But to be able to accept that and find out that you're going to make the best of times and have an appreciation for every breath that we take is pretty deep. It's pretty deep. Same thing about relationships. She learned that if you want to have things change, you have to make sure that you are good with yourself and better yourself, you'll attract better people around you also. It's a back and forth scheme, isn't it? Is that if you don't have a good self-confidence, if you don't have a good relationship with yourself, how do you have it with anybody else? And when you don't have it, that inner energy, there's people out there that will just take advantage of you whether it's gonna be your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or a person at work, people can almost smell or taste that vulnerability and humans like to take advantage of that. But to have compassion for somebody that killed your father and to do the research and the studying of it is, it's amazing. It's a very deep understanding of thought and a lot of wisdom rating points she deserves. It's made her a better person. And it's made her be able to open up and be able to listen to others and to really be a mentor to others as well by having this revelation. But she studied other people's beliefs. She studied other people's circumstances. She was able to analyze and look at things in a mature way or, like I said, on a very high level way. And it makes you a new person yourself. It makes you a better person yourself. And I got news for you. The art of forgiveness is not an easy art to be able to be good at because usually you're hurt. Usually something just sticks in your craw and it's hard to get it out of there. And to be able to do it is definitely an accomplishment.
0: Oh my gosh, this episode literally brought me to tears. I don't think I've ever cried on an episode before.
1: And what a beautiful positive attitude that she has developed through all of the ups and downs. And this is why, again, which we've said on some other episodes, You can't go back in time, but by curing some of the ills that have happened to you, you can look forward and make a better life and be a better person in the future. And that's what part of our mission is, is to be able to take the choices that we have, the experiences that we have, and continue to formulate a better path for the future and not live in the past, but make a better future by understanding where we came from and being able to disassociate ourselves from the evils of the past.
0: She really took us to the grief though. Did you feel that? Oh, I
1: felt I felt it, but I I felt that inspiration. If I was near her right now, I really would like to give her a big hug. That's sweet.
0: I definitely yeah. thought you'd want to take your hat off to her for sure.
1: I uh, definitely, I don't have my hat on. Fortunately, I still got some hair in the front so you don't see the bald spot in the back. But you know what? She also wanted to know, especially I have daughters and she has a daughter and she sees that relationship with her husband, with her daughter. And I have tried my best to, with all three daughters, is to show compassion, understanding, try to show that I'm always going to be in their corner and be there for them so that they can also have that mentorship of not only learning but where I've tried to drive to them what's been driven to me, even as a man, to be able to stand on our own two feet and to be able to have self-confidence that we can accomplish anything that we set our minds to. And when you have daughters, I think you have to really be extra focused to give them every opportunity because we still live in a world where women aren't always treated the best. So we want them to be as tough as they can be, and yet still be as warm and as friendly and family-oriented as they can be. Isn't what we're talking about from episode to episode? We've got to find the right balance. I would like to think that all three of my daughters have that opportunity to have the right balance in life.
0: I'm glad that she's getting to see the father-daughter love with the husband that she picked.
1: Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. Another little side note is that sometimes people have been traumatized and they don't even feel it or know it until later on in life and once she realized that she was traumatized she did something about it she got down to the root of the problem and wanted to be able to show that she could overcome some of these inner thoughts that she had and it changed her as a person a lot of times things happen to certain people and they have that chip on their shoulder and they go through the rest of their life where they they're just not nice And the main reason why they're not nice is because they're not nice to themselves. They feel bad all the time. So if you want to feel better, you have to be able to cure your own person. And nobody can do that for you. You have to be able to someday step up and be able to do it for yourself. We can guide you and you can guide someone else that's had an issue or problem, but it's the individual has to be satisfied with themselves in order to be really happy. You've got to come where you get that chip off your shoulder. You've got to really do it yourself. All right. That's a wrap. Okay.
0: Thanks for listening. Now I think I'm going to go call my dad.
1: I'll say goodbye and see you the next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy show. Join us weekly for new episodes and more daddy wisdom.
1: Better Call Daddy is good advice always.
0: Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. You can also find special episodes on my YouTube channel, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Alexa, or your preferred podcatcher. That's a wrap for now.